and and they came out and, and I remember being in shock, like, no, that can't really be them. I, I can't be in the presence of the Beatles, but I screwed it up. Hello, I'm Jack, and you're listening to the Here, There, and Everywhere podcast, an interview show about the Beatles' influence in the past, present, and future across the universe and across generations. Thank you for the overwhelming response to the first few episodes of this podcast. We appreciate all of the support. If you like the show, share it with a friend and leave us a review on your podcast app. I'd like to introduce a very special guest on today's podcast, the lovely and legendary Maureen Van Zandt. Maureen, thank you so much for coming on the show. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm so happy to be here. And legendary, I don't know. The Beatles are legendary. <laughs> <laughs> happy birthday, by the way. Thank you. How was that? Oh, it was um, it was fun. I mean, it was kind of low-key. I, I teach an acting class on Zoom, um, as we do everything on Zoom lately. So I was working the night of my birthday because we do it every Mondays. But then after that, had a nice dinner with friends the next day. So all good. It was a kind of low-key one, but that's, that's all right. <laughs> I think the low-key birthdays are always the best birthdays. Absolutely. Me, yeah. think... I've had a lot of birthdays, so I don't, I don't need to be uh, going too big on them. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start from the beginning. Can you tell me about how you grew up? I grew up in New Jersey, in uh, Newark, New Jersey, mostly. Um, I grew up in a very Italian-American neighborhood. And what was that like for you? Um... I don't know. I, I, I always, I guess it was a very happy childhood. Uh, I was always feeling like, like I was a misfit. I was interested in artistic kind of things and, you know, the, the neighbor that, neighborhood that I grew up in, it was, it was, you know, it was not very, very sophisticated or anything. So I always, I was interested in, in, in the arts and, and, and I didn't really get um, that much of that around me. I did, however, go to uh, to, to school and learn ballet and, you know, different forms of dance and everything. So I had that, that outlet, but I, I think I had a, a pretty regular childhood, but I kind of always felt like I didn't really fit in. And that's one thing that I think um, the Beatles brought to me. I think when I became a fan, I, I connected with a lot of other fans. I mean, I met my best friend because of the Beatles. So wow. I think a whole new world opened up for me and I didn't feel like I didn't fit anymore. This is, this is something that I can relate to. I, I totally relate to that too, especially being part of this new generation. You don't find too many Beatles fans or people that like older music in general. So when I do find someone my age that likes that stuff, it's, it's the best feeling. I can imagine, but you see, it gives me hope that yeah. there are people <laughs> like you out there. And, and I'm seeing more and more younger people that are really into, into the Beatles because I think that kind of greatness, it doesn't change, you know? It, it, it spans all, all kinds of uh, time frames. So I, I love that you're a fan. Can you tell us how your interest in the arts began and did the Beatles have any influence on that? Well, I had, um, I had done a little bit of work on Broadway when I was a kid. I was trained as a dancer. So I, I, I was interested in that before the Beatles, obviously. I was very interested in musical theater, but always, always loved music. Um, I, I was a great, great fan of, of all kinds of music. Whatever was on the charts, I, I would listen to. My babysitter used to play Elvis all the time, so I, I was an Elvis fan when I was a, a little kid, too. So I, I was very, very connected to music all the time. I was like attached to the radio. Do you remember the moment that you were hooked in by the Beatles? 
Well, let me see. I, I heard, I think I heard she loves you first on the radio. I was, I was quite young and, and I thought, this is really weird. Uh, I didn't think it in a bad way, but it just sounded so different from everything else that was on the radio. And I heard it's this band from England, the Beatles, but I didn't pay that much attention to it. Um, and then what happened was I went into, we had, um, this little soda fountain, they called it back then, where, you know, all the kids would go and hang out after school and, and there would be a, a, a wall of magazines and, and the guy who owned the store started selling albums, but very sort of selected, selective kind of albums. And there was Meet the Beatles there. And I looked at it and I thought, wow, you know, I never saw anybody that looked like this. And, and, and I, so I bought the record and uh, it must have been like $3 or something yeah. like that. And I thought, I still thought this is like nothing I've heard before. And then it just so happened a couple of days later, they, they were on Ed Sullivan. Wow. Kind of, that did it. You know, I just saw them. I just loved everything about them. I thought they, they looked interesting. They were funny. They were, they were cute. The music was great. Um, it, it just kind of, I don't know what it was. It was like some huge revelation to me. I just immediately fell in love with them. And on top of that, it's just perfect timing. Yeah. Yeah, because I was thinking, like, who are these guys? And I remember that all the other kids were a lot, especially the boys would say, who are these weirdos with the long hair on this right. album cover? And, and and I thought, I don't know, there's something about them here. And then, then when I saw them, I was like, yeah, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> what did your family and your neighborhood in New Jersey think of the Beatles at that time? Well, I would say some of the girls liked them. Most of the boys hated them. I grew up in, like I said, a very Italian-American neighborhood. So they were very much into the four seasons and, you know, what I would call like greaser type <laughs> music. So they would kind of, you know, laugh at us girls who, who liked them. My, my family w was okay about it. I mean, they were a little horrified, I think, when I'd watch, you know, the Ed Sullivan shows and get, you know, but, you know, I see the girls screaming and I think like, oh, I got to scream too. And, and I get really excited. And my father would say, who are these weirdos? You know, it, it was it was usually a guy thing that the guys didn't really get it, but the girls did. I think they had a real appeal. But I think when the guys really got into the music, then they did start to, to see that they weren't just some little pop group, that they were there was something important. Yeah, that makes sense. Also, the early Beatles songs were all about the girls. She loves you. Thank you, girl. And, you know, I think the girls always know what's right before the guys do across all subjects. Right. And, and if they're smart, they follow the girls, you know, you know, like right. they go to the Beatles because you're going to meet girls there. So that would be a smart thing on their part. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> Did the Beatles influence any decisions that you made when you were younger, like deciding to go into acting? Um, well, when I first saw the Beatles, I think it was 12 or something. So I, I always thought it would be something in the arts, I wasn't sure if it would be acting or, or dancing for a while. I wanted to be a doctor. Um, I kind of, that went out the window, you know, once the Beatles appeared, I, I, I kind of threw a lot of things out the window, right. <laughs> and became, uh, you know, a registered Beatle maniac. And that, that was my life. But, you know, it, it, it just opened me up to so many things. It opened me up to not just music, but, um, you know, fashion and arts in England and, you know, things that were bigger than my little world at the time. Right. And, and, and the Beatles sort of turned a lot of us on to other artists and other writers and, and, and things like that. They, they were very, very clever and very witty. And, uh, and anything that the Beatles said they liked, you know, we would all check out because we thought they're cool and whatever they like must be cool. And, and, and it was. 
So it sounds like they would influence more areas of your life than just the songs you listened to. Oh, tremendously, yeah. I, and I think because I was that age, it, you know, I was at an age where um, I didn't really know what what was going on, and and they kind of um, they gave me something something to do and to enjoy, and and they were just they were just pure fun to me. You know, they gave gave us a, a chance to you know be excited and you know go to concerts and and listen, and then this whole British invasion followed them. So right. it was this incredible world that opened up. You know, we all started dressing a certain way and wearing our hair a certain way and dancing a certain way and 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 going to see all these bands and buying all these records and and it just was very it was really the first generation I think where um, younger people kind of had their own culture. You know, up to then people had younger people sort of did what their parents did. They followed in their steps, but we were the first generation I think that had our own our own things, our own music, our own style, our own arts. And, and, and it was really exciting. What would your life have looked like without the Beatles? I, I don't know what my life would have been like. I probably would have just maybe stayed in New Jersey and, um, you know, had a maybe a less interesting life. I, I don't know. Uh, it, it's hard to say. I, I really can't imagine what life would have been like without them. So I saw that movie yesterday. It kind of scared me because I thought, like, I, Nobody knew who the Beatles were. It, it really kind of freaked me out right. because I can't imagine that. Yeah. What a boring world that would be. I know. Much um, less color for sure. And you've seen the Beatles perform live at Shea Stadium? I did twice, yeah. Ah, that's so cool. Can you paint a picture of what it was like to be there? I mean, I can't even imagine. Well, you're, you're probably going to kill me because I'm not going to paint a really clear picture. Um, I, I was one of the girls that, um, well, I'd say about first or second song in, um, it, it was complete pandemonium. Here are the Beatles. I mean, you really could barely hear. Once they hit the field, there was—I remember lights flashing and girls screaming and just—I've never, you know, I've never. I think they were the first people that ever played a stadium. So, I mean, to just be this young girl who'd barely been to any kind of shows and to be in this huge place—it was just complete pandemonium chaos. And, and they came out, and, and I remember being in shock, like, no, that can't really be them. I, I can't be in the presence of the Beatles. And, and, and they came out in the field, they, they took the stage, and, and the thing is, I thought I wasn't going to be able to hear, but you could hear everything like it was on the record. They sounded perfect. Wow. But I screwed it up, because a couple of songs in, Lennon is kind of encouraging us to run out on the field because you know he was such a little devil oh really <laughs> and so my friend and i did it and got kicked out no. the first year. yeah so he was like come on girls come on girls and, and in fact we're in the film eight days a week and i think in a lot of other films because you know we were the crazy girls that ran out on the field but we thought well you know we gotta we gotta be part of this we wanted to get close to them because we were so far away we were i think on the third baseline or something at Shea Stadium. So they, they looked very tiny to us and there were no screens then. So I was like, no, I got to get a better look at them. I'm running out in that field. And, and we did it. We got promptly kicked out. We get dragged through the dugout, you know, and getting dragged out by, by the police. So I don't think no knew what hit them. I mean, I don't think the, the New York police had ever uh, seen a bunch of, you know, 12 and 13 year old girls going completely insane and they were not able to control us. But anyway, they, they dragged us out through the, the dugout and we go through the dugout and there's the Rolling Stones sitting there 
watching the show. So that was another surreal moment. Wow. Yeah. I didn't even know they were there. That's awesome. Yeah. And so we got kicked out. That I don't know if that was the second year because we got kicked out both years. Um, so we got kicked out and, and I listened to the, the rest of the show outside. It sounded fantastic, but I, I, I could have just killed myself for doing that. But it was, you know, being young is stupid and in the moment and... And, and that's what we did. But I did get to see them uh, at Carnegie Hall before that and didn't get kicked out um, <laughs> and, and saw them at Forest Hills Tennis Stadium before Shea. So I didn't get kicked out of those. So I did really get to see them all the show. That's amazing. <laughs> Tennis Stadium was, was amazing because it was not a huge venue. And Carnegie Hall, of course, was was small, com- you know, comparatively. And um, so I, I, I did. I was lucky I did get to see them. So out of all of the times you saw them, which concert was your personal favorite? Well, I mean, I think there was something really exciting about seeing them at Shea, but Forest Hills was before then. So I I think that was really um, kind of mind blowing to me. I remember a friend's mother took us and uh, we weren't thrilled about that, but we were were kids coming in from New Jersey and that's, that's what we had to do. But it, but it, so our behavior was probably a little bit tamed. The Shea Stadium shows, we kind of snuck there on our own. Our parents thought that we were being taken by an adult, but we weren't. You know, we, we, I'm telling you, we would do anything to see the Beatles, and, and we did not want any parents there kind of, you know, hampering our fun. Right. So uh, we, we were bad girls in trouble. <laughs> I wish I could have been there. <laughs> I wish you could have been too. You would have loved <laughs> John always described Shea Stadium as the top of the mountain of Beatlemania, that that was the beginning of the end for the Mop Top Beatles. They began to change after that, releasing Rubber Soul, Revolver, and Sgt. Pepper, all within two years of each other. What did you think of them when they started to change? I, I loved all the changes. I mean, I guess looking back, my favorite Beatles music is that really early Beatles music, the Meet the Beatles record and With the Beatles, the British version of it. I, and I think that's sort of a nostalgia thing because I think that's when I discovered them and, and felt that my life had changed. and. And they brought so much happiness into life uh, at that time because um, you have to remember um, President Kennedy had just been assassinated and the whole country was in a really terrible depression and they kind of came along exactly at that right time and really sort of brought you know, made everybody kind of rise up I mean maybe not so much the adult but all the, the younger generation we were all very scared after that happened, we, we thought the whole country and the whole world was falling apart. So the Beatles kind of you know, made us happy and have fun again. But uh, but but to your point, I, I think that I was so into the Beatles that they probably could have, you know, just recited the alphabet on an album and I, I would have been thrilled. But I did I did love that they changed because um, I think the 60s was was a very strange time we all changed very rapidly like from year to year people looked different there was kind of different music new music things were it was a time uh, like a great time of change and they kind of forced a lot of that to happen so i i I never i don't think there was a beatles record that i didn't like i loved every single one of them for for different reasons and, and and the way they changed was was always cool you know they'd have different hair different clothing um I, I thought they were, I guess I didn't realize at the time that they were geniuses. I just thought that these guys are so cool. Like, you know, now they're doing this and now, now they're doing this. And now they've got these band uniforms on, they're Sergeant Pepper. And and I mean, it just was, was just constantly exciting to see how they changed. And, and of course, the music was always great. 
it wasn't like they did some terrible records. Everything was great. So, so you loved all of it. And then they had the movies that really made us see their particularly hard days night made you see their personalities. Cause I think that was written really to suit, to show who they were. And we all kind of fell in love with them and, and watched them grow over the years. Like and as we grew up at the same time, except they were a few years older, right. but we kind of grew along with the Beatles and their message. You know, I think they had lots of different messages, but it was, you know, in the beginning, very joyful. And, and then there was a lot of positive stuff They they made us, they made us think about things later on. They had a message of a peace of love, but also they, you know, they talked about things that maybe weren't so, so fun. And, you know, as, as they grew up, we, you know, we changed with them. And I think they, they taught us a lot. So when the Beatles were at their creative peak around 1967, they started to change their message from direct love to like universal love. And you decided to join the musical Hair around that time too, yeah. which is all about the counterculture movement. Why did you join that musical particularly? Well, I, I absolutely did love the message. And um, at that time I, I was a teenager and I was, I was hanging out in Greenwich Village a lot. I would you know, take the bus from New Jersey and and, and I live in Greenwich Village now, and I, I would come here and and um, because again, there were people that were like-minded people. You know, you'd be on the street, and everybody was a Beatles fan. Everyone was a fan of music. Everybody had long hair, cool clothing, bell bottoms, the whole thing. So it was a whole new world. And and as much as I could, my my best friend and I would we just get on the bus and come to New York and and, and hang out in New York. And um, you know, the, the the whole culture was right there in front of us. And then the hippie culture. Um, started to to pop up around the time that hair um came out and it was i wasn't i couldn't say that i was really a hippie but i did believe in all of those messages and that show perfectly captured our time you know it it was you know about being young you know it, it it approached issues that were really serious a lot you know one of the major ones obviously was young guys being drafted to go to vietnam and that that's the really the main theme of, of that show and it just it really appealed to me and i knew um a couple of people that were in the show and they kind of got me you know in. they they people were kind of going in and out of it and and one of my friends said yeah they need somebody for the ensemble so i, I went in and did it and um it was uh really an unbelievable, unbelievable experience because it was really, really had been nothing like that show up to that time. You know, the, the war was, was the issue then, uh, the big, the big issue and, and, and the government, of course, and all of that. And, 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 you know, Nixon became president and, you know, everyone hated him, but it, it was a, like 68 was a year of a unbelievable turmoil, but it was also a fantastic year. So, Year change, but a lot of a lot of really sad and bad things happened that year. And years after you were in the musical Hair, you met Stevie, and then you two got married in what seems like it was a legendary wedding. So many notable people were there. Can you tell me a little bit about your wedding? It's crazy, that's for sure. <laughs> well, we decided we were gonna if we were gonna have a wedding, we didn't want to do something really traditional. We wanted to do something fun. We decided to do it on New Year's Eve because we thought every New Year's Eve, it's like, well, what are we going to do now? You know, always a, a dilemma on New Year's Eve, not going to go to Times Square, hang out, you know, been to enough parties. So let's, let's do the wedding that night. So, so we did, we, um, 
we use this beautiful old brownstone up um, on the Upper East Side, and we just kind of transformed the whole place. And little Richard was the minister, which I think there's you know, not much else you can say beyond that. But we had you know the E Street Band, Bruce and the E Street Band did a, a whole set. Um, Bruce was the best man. A lot of the guys were, were in the wedding party. Um, Gary U.S. Bonds played. We had the the uh, orchestra that played in The Godfather in the wedding scene in The Godfather. Wow. So they were kind of the wedding orchestra. And then we had this rock band get up there and a lot of rock people performing. And it was um, it was fun. I mean, I, it was such a crazy night. I, I don't remember too much about it, but everybody who was there still talks about it and thought they had a great time and all that so so we're happy that that happened but it was it was a fun night it was very very memorable and very different and you know little richard you know what can i say nothing greater than that yes <laughs> especially he was one of the idols of the beatles so i thought well this just works perfectly and eventually you and stevie both joined the sopranos what was that like going from a youth during the counterculture movement and being in musicals about achieving peace to starring in a show that's not so peaceful? Well, yeah. I mean, well, there were a lot of years in between. I had, you know, been dancing. That was the main thing I did. I had not um, gone back to acting. And then, then I decided to to go back to acting and start studying again. And, and uh, I got cast in the show. Um, but the interesting thing about it is that I had grown up in an atmosphere very, very much like The Sopranos. Um, you know, very Italian-American, a lot of mafia stuff going on around me. Um, so it really, it wasn't anything new for me. I, I can't say that I loved um, all of the things that happened on that show. I mean, my, my part was not really uh, one that was having me engage in any kind of violence. I, I, I played a mob wife who I guess had to look the other way when all this violence stuff came up. So it was, you know, it was, it was an acting job. It wasn't me. It never really, it didn't change me in any right. way. I was still the same person. And it just, you know, put on the makeup and put the costume on and, and said the lines that I was given to say. And, and, um, and that was it. it. It was work. And I was, I was so fortunate to have had a part on that show, which I also think made history in, in, in its own way, just like the Beatles did. So I, I was very lucky to be there. Yeah, The Sopranos changed a lot about TV. It was like the first television blockbuster. Yeah, I think it really did change TV um, in a big way. You know, in so, so many ways. I think you know, number one was having a guy as as the lead and the hero of of the show, so to speak, not being such a good guy, a guy having a lot of flaws and a lot of problems. And I, I think it made TV more realistic after that. It wasn't always about the, you know, the happy family and the good looking leading man and all that stuff. It really, I think it made TV more real and, and more intelligent because, you know, David Chase's writing and, and the writing of all the other fantastic writers on that show, I think they, they brought it to a new level. Would the show The Sopranos exist without the Beatles? I think so. I, I don't think they really one had anything to do with the other although i know david chase who created is a huge fan of all of the 60s music that that was the time he grew up and he was a musician himself he was a drummer in a band and in fact he did a movie called not fade away that addressed that you know he was in a band in new jersey that didn't make it and and um and he became a writer so i think everything that he did um in his career that was always there with him and he always used great music on sopranos so, so I, I guess 
the way he grew up had to have influenced how he wrote that show and how he used music in it. Did you have a favorite Beatle growing up? And did your favorite ever change? Always George. Always George. Always, yeah. Always my favorite. And I, I always had a soft spot for Lennon as well because I just thought he was so brilliant and funny and clever and all that. But George was my favorite, and that, that never, ever changed to this day. <laughs> <laughs> and why was George your favorite? What stood out about him? I don't know. I mean, I, I guess, I, you know, the first thing was that I probably just thought he was cute. Um, but there was something very mysterious about him. He was very, well, they called him the quiet beetle. And he kind of would, would, you know, lay back, and John and Paul really did most of it. And Ringo was, you know, very appealing and popular in his own way. But George kind of, he sort of looked to me like he thought it was kind of a funny, like a not a joke, but he kind of was sort of standing back being kind of amused by it all. And I just always thought there's something interesting about this guy that you can't really figure out. Did you feel like you related to George? Um, I, I guess I related to him. I mean, I, I always thought that I was very introverted and, and quiet. So I think I re- related to him on, on that level. And I think maybe a lot of his, um, his quietness maybe manifested itself later with his spirituality. I think maybe he was just more, um, I wouldn't say introverted, but I think maybe he thought a lot and, and was a very thoughtful person and, and observed things rather than being, putting himself out there. I think he kind of stood back, observed it. And, and he, I think he learned a lot that way. And I think that that is how he evolved to be such a spiritual, spiritual person. He was very attracted to that. And I think that maybe didn't know it till later, obviously. Well, whenever someone says they're a George fan, I immediately like them because George is one of the most selfless people there is. And I know that you're you're also very selfless too. I'm th- I'm actually thinking about the time when you and Stevie brought guitars to children in school so they can learn to play music. Can you tell me about that? We supported that organization and we brought the guitars to the kids and we worked with them and you know, mentored them all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's, it's great, you know, and that's, and that all goes back to the Beatles, you know, like they taught me that love of music and, and that desire to want to keep it going and support it. Do you have a particular interest in supporting this younger generation's interest in music? Oh, definitely. Um, I, it really worries me that I don't think rock is as popular genre as it used to be. So I'm, I'm really, really thrilled when, when I meet younger people that are, that are interested in, you know, maybe they don't have to be interested in the Beatles, although all of them seem to, to be if they're interested in that music. But I, I love to see, you know, younger people that appreciate the music that, that I grew up with, because uh, I mean, maybe I'm just being prejudiced because I grew up at that time, but I do think it was the greatest decade generation of music i mean into the 70s so it wasn't really just the 60s but i i do think that it was really um i know stephen calls it a, a renaissance period in music and i i think it was I, I think it was you know not that there hasn't been great stuff since then but i think it was just a very special time there was so much of it and, and almost all of it was really really good so and, and i love when when people appreciate that speaking of today's music why do you think the beatles are still so popular today God, I, I just think that what they did was, was something that transcends time. You know, they they were just geniuses. They were brilliant songwriters, great singers. I mean, how, you know, how many bands are there? Three great singers in a band. And even Ringo, you know, had his thing. Um, it was just four very unique individuals. They really, they, they just captured 
our hearts because a lot of it, it was the music, but also their personalities. They, they, they just were fun. They were smart. They were interesting. Um, and, and I think what they wrote is, is, is just timeless. There's, they're just good songs that, you know, you would never get tired of. I mean, I, I never, I hear a Beatles song on a radio or someone playing it somewhere. I never feel like, oh God, how many times did I hear this? I'm like, yeah, more. I want to hear more. Right. Yeah. I really do think it's their talent, you know, in the, in the end, you know, look, I, I still think that people are wearing those kind of fashions. You know, I still, I, I start to see lately a lot of girls wearing bell bottoms on the street and, and, um, you know, a hippie-ish kind of clothing. And, and, and it's never really gone away, you know, because I think what's cool always comes back. And, and, and I think that, you know, a lot of the music that's, that's popular now, it's not really saying anything. It's kind of mindless music. Maybe it's music to dance to or whatever, but it, I, I don't think it's really having a message. And, and I think people are looking for inspiration now. I think especially after the last two years, what we've all been through, I think a lot of people have looked, started to look inside themselves more. And I think they want things that are more meaningful. And, and I think, you know, to go back to the past and um, rediscover or discover people like the Beatles, I, I think it's just, it's a very positive message that they put out. And I think people need that now. How long do you think the music of the Beatles will last? I think that long after we're gone, hundreds and hundreds of years, people are still going to appreciate this music, just like I can appreciate Tchaikovsky and, and all the, you know, Mozart and all the composers from years and years ago. I, I think something that is of that quality and that brilliance, I, I don't think it's ever going to go anywhere. I mean, look at how, how long it's been, you know, 50, 60 years and, and, People still love them and people still go crazy for them and people still, still go to Beatles conventions and buy the records and and I bet this get back thing will have a record, you know, number of viewers and, and uh, I'm, it's, it's just exciting to me that, uh, you know, this, this just never goes away. I think you were right when you said that people have been starting to look for more meaningful things during these last couple of years and I think that's a big reason why the Beatles have been coming back. So my question is, what have you been up to in the last few years? Um, I am now trying to get my theater company working again. We haven't been able to do anything live for uh, the last couple of years since COVID started, but we've been, we've kept things alive on Zoom. We've done plays on Zoom, like full plays and recorded them. And so we, we do that all the time. We've continued to do that. Yeah. And um, so now hopefully things getting a little safer. I don't feel completely safe yet, but we're gonna try to, you know, get back to maybe doing some things live safely. Mm -hmm. And so that's mostly, you know, mostly working with the theater company. I did a little uh, voiceover on a, an animated movie. Um, yeah. You know, I continue, you know, I've done a few projects here and there. I've done some podcasts, you know, uh, some radio type shows, old fashioned radio type stories and episodes and things like that did work on a, um, a web series called the honey zoomers, which is a takeoff on the honeymooners. And it, it, um, it was about a brother and sister who are trapped together because of COVID. They, you know, they're stuck in the same apartment, but they're kind of the characters that were in the old honeymooner series. And it's just a very, very funny series. It's on YouTube. If anybody wants to check it out, my, my friend, uh, Charles Messina wrote it and it's really, it's really so much fun. So, you know, I, I try to keep busy, you know, teaching the acting classes and, and that's it. And hopefully life will 
open up again soon and, you know, be able to get back to doing live theater and things like that. And what's the name of your podcast in case anyone wants to check it out? Yeah, my podcast is called Generation Gap. We've been on a little bit of a hiatus now, but um, we're, we're about to get back to work again. Uh, my partner and I, Josh, Josh Cardo, is a great comedian and a great co-host. And we, we talk about a lot of pop culture things, and we, you know, which includes the Beatles. But it's, we talk a lot about music, uh, arts, things that are going on you know, in the news and, and all that. So it's, it's, it's a fun, it's just like a, a fun hangout, you know. Have you found music and specifically the Beatles music to be helpful within the last few years? Oh, God, always. Yeah, I think music has helped me throughout my life in in any tough time, even just, you know, if you have some anxiety, stressed out about something, the music always helps you escape. You know, when I I walk in the street, I listen, I listen to music, it kind of can tune out the ugliness of life, or it can make you more aware of it. Um, Yeah, I mean, to me, it's, it's, it's a great escape, but it's more than that. It's just something that I don't think I could live without i couldn't imagine a world without music you know not just the beatles but but music in general truthfully i think the music that i like is is all the music from my past uh, um i love Jimi hendrix uh, i love all those british invasion bands I, I still listen to that it just it just makes me feel happy uh, i love elvis costello i love elvis presley um I love Frank Sinatra now. That was my parents' music. And I used to say, oh, God, that's horrible. But I have a real appreciation of, of that now. So I, I, like, I, like, I love classical music. I like a lot of things. I mean, I can't say there are too many recent artists that uh, I'm a huge fan of. But I, I do, of course, admire people that are really good, people like Adele. Uh, I loved Amy Winehouse. I mean, it's not like I stopped at the Beatles in the 60s, so that's what I prefer. But I think things that, that are good, um, you know, it, it could be any any type of music. I agree. It, it does kind of sound like there's something lacking in popular music today. Yeah, everything's very um, sort of removed and robotic to me. You know, it's like it's about a beat, a beat, a beat. But there's, you know, I, I want to hear a song with a melody. Mm-hmm. I want to hear maybe some interesting lyrics or at least something that is moving to me or, or something that I can relate to. Um, and and um, I want something that that's intelligent. You know, I think a lot of the music lately is not, it's not really saying anything, you know, it might be entertaining, it might be fun, but it does, it's not really not saying anything, at least not to me, you know, the younger generation, you know, look, that that's their thing and they love it. Great. But uh, I, I don't, I don't think it compares, honestly. And I think I was lucky to have grown up with what I did. Okay, I have one final question for you, Maureen. You, you talked about the Beatles being present in your life throughout your whole life. Was there ever a phase or time when the Beatles were your whole life? It would have to have been when I first discovered them. Because, you know, I, I, like I said earlier, I was at that age where I kind of didn't know what was going to happen with my life. And... Um, I think, you know, every, every, all teenagers are confused somewhat. And I, I just think that that whole period from, you know, 64, 63, 64 with the Beatles to 70, you know, it just really, it just made life so much more fun and, and really, really taught me so much. And they, they were a great escape. And especially towards the end of that decade, my, my father became ill with cancer and suffered with it for three years. And, and I think that they were really, I remember Sergeant Pepper coming out at the time when he first became ill and, and 
it always it was a comfort to me it was something that i could could go to and and feel like it wasn't you know life was not totally horrible you know things bad things were going on it was sad but but that was something that could kind of give me hope and make me just would make me feel happier so yeah i I would say that period when i was a teenager you know and i you know loved them every year after that but but i think that was when i really kind of you know leaned on them for for a lot of things i'm really happy that you had the beatles as a source of hope i think they're a source of hope to a lot of people too including myself and marina i just wanted to say thank you one more time for coming on the show and for telling us your incredible stories um it was truly an honor and a pleasure to be able to speak with you about the Beatles. It was oh, great so talking to you. Thank you, Jack. Thank you so much for having me on and, and anytime and good luck with this because it, it's such a great idea and I, I love that you're doing it. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Here, There, and Everywhere podcast. Please rate the show if you like it, share it with a friend, and let me know who you want to hear on the show next time. Be sure to tune in again next week for another very special guest.